Nobody ever gets ahead looking sideways. I love that quote because, you know, when you're in the middle of a project, or you're writing something, and especially if, if you're writing for publication, you know, that's coming, you know, and then you start reading and seeing all of a sudden books that look like yours and may feel like yours or other authors who are just doing brilliant things. And you start, you start to think, well, you know, maybe I should have been an accountant. Like maybe I just went down the wrong road. Like I can always be a barista. You know, there's a lot of options for me, but you can't, you know, you got to just be really focused on you. Like we are all on our own path. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey there, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. You know, it means so much to me, so thank you so, so much. Now, if you're an author or podcaster like me, then you know how important but challenging it can be to get reviews and promote our books and shows. And because of this, I've developed a platform called Review Karma to solve this exact problem. So check it out. You can get all the details and sign up for a free trial at getreviewkarma.com. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Jill Shearer Murray, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you today about your book, Big Wild Love, The Unstoppable Power of Letting Go. Thanks again, Jill, for joining me on the show. Great to be here today. Awesome, Jill. Well, before we jump into your book, if you wouldn't mind just telling the listeners a little bit more about your life, your work, and what you've got going on right now. Boy, that's a big question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So um, my life, my work, and what I've got going on. So I am in the middle of getting ready to push out, you know, my book, Big Wild Love, which is coming out. It'll be out in May. And I'm busy doing a lot of promotional stuff around that. I am also a journalist communication specialist. So I have some clients that I do some consulting and writing work for. And I'm also, right now, I'm, I'm plotting Aaron and brewing the next book. I have like a list of 800. Yeah. And I just keep saying, you know, focus, 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 focus. Pick one. Close your eyes and put your finger down and go for it. Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I wish I could say I was running all over the place out and about, but <laughs> since we're in the throes of, you know, quarantine, I run from room to room basically. <laughs> For inspiration. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but that's exciting. I'm I'm right there with you. The books. Yeah. There's so many ideas, so many things you can do. And uh sounds sounds like you got some good ones that are gonna come out. So uh obviously looking forward to talking to you about big wild love, but future books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's dive into your book and just wondered if you might tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to write it and give us a high level overview of the book. Sure. So, you know, I've always been a writer my entire life. And like every good writer, I probably have three or four books, you know, in a drawer in a cabinet somewhere that ha- nobody has seen it or have been touched or some have been seen and touched. But This one kind of came to me, Erin, as a surprise. I gave a TEDx talk a couple of years ago, and I just felt really compelled to get up on that stage. I, somebody I love died. It affected me very deeply. And I just felt like I needed to say to myself, mostly, and other people, you know, we're not going to be here forever and ever. We can't spend time holding on to things that just aren't giving us what we want in life. So I decided that I wanted to give, I love TED, I love TEDx. I would while the days away. So I wanted to give a TEDx talk. Somehow I managed to get myself onto that stage and talk about 
letting go. And I opened up with a story about how I let go of a long of a 12 year relationship and everything around it. And I thought, you know, five people would watch that talk, my mother, my father, you know, my mother and father from the neighbor's computer, (laughs) and me from a couple other computers. But since I gave that talk, millions of people have seen it. And I immediately started hearing from mostly women, but I do hear from men, mostly women from all over the world asking me, oh my God, how can I do that? How can I let go in my life? And they would, you know, they would ask me the same questions over and over again. Hmm. And I would be frantically responding to all of them in these, you know, DMs on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I have to put it all together in a book. So an agent found me and we started conceiving of, you know, conceiving of this book about letting go. And so we decided to start in the area of love and relationships because letting go is such a huge topic, which is why I have just, you know, lists of letting go books to write because, you know, there's so much to let go of. But my book overall It's designed to help people who are stuck in a relationship that's just not working for them. And they know maybe they need, it's time to go. They know that it's not where they should be, but they just, they need to let go and they don't know how. So my book, I created a six step process for letting go. And so I basically take them through my story. So I give them all the details that I don't talk about at the TEDx talk. And I also interviewed about 60 women for my book. So I talk about other women's stories. I'm a journalist by training. So there's lots of data, statistics, and facts. And then I I basically lay out this six-step process that I used to extricate myself from this relationship. But I can tell you that the process that I created works, whether you're trying to let go of a relationship, you're trying to let go of, you know, dating your sofa and getting courage to go back out there. You want to let go of a job or an unhealthy friendship or even a mindset. Like the process really, really works. I'm so excited that it's finally going to be out in the world because I feel like I say to people when they write to me, you know, I can't tell you all of this in a DM. My thumbs hurt. Um, <laughs> so I'm really excited. So basically that's what the book is, is really teaching people. And, and Big Wild Love is a form of self-love that I talk about that allows you to take the risks you need to take to let go. So yeah, that's kind of what the book is about. Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like it's already helped so many people, which is incredible. A couple of things come to my mind, I guess, is, is there something maybe you talk about in the book is to know when it's time to let go. And then I would love to know if that, you know, any of those six steps that you mentioned, what maybe you could give the listeners one or two of those that might help them today if they're in that position. Absolutely. So, you know, I truly believe, Aaron, that we know. I truly believe that in our heart of hearts, you know, we know when it's time to let go. Mm. I had a relationship for 12 years. I think I probably knew in year five that he would never give me what I wanted. And I think it's, we need to get to a place of being able to recognize when it's time to let go by trusting our own instincts. And this is all part of cultivating big wild love. So in the opening section of the book, I talk about how you can really cultivate that big wild love. So when you're in year five of a relationship and you know it's this person is wonderful, but they're never going to give you what you want, you know instinctively that it's time to let go because you know how to use your own instincts and your own voice to decide what's best for you. And the other thing that I talk about, which is actually the first step in the letting go process, which is what I talk about is opening your eyes to the epiphany. So there's always those moments 
whether we're stuck in a relationship or we're stuck in a job or we're stuck in a friendship or we're stuck in a situation that's just not serving us where we have that light bulb moment where it finally dawns on us. Oh my God, like I can't unsee this now. Like I can push so many things away. I mean, for me, like week four of quarantine was okay. I can't not see this anymore. Like <laughs> this is actually for real happening. Yeah. And I think it's a very, I love talking about epiphany because I think we don't talk about it enough. And it's such a powerful experience because when you finally have these epiphanies then, and you have the big coupled with the big wild love, which allows you to actually see them because I had so many in my 12 year relationship epiphanies and I was like, mm, not ready to see you go away, go away, go away. Yeah. But we need that grounding that we get from that sense of love for ourselves and the knowledge will be okay to be able to say, I see you and I'm ready to listen to the message you're trying to tell me, which is I really need to let go of this. So those are two things I think people can probably think about, you know, is why don't I listen to that instinct? Why don't I take the time to listen to the voice inside of me that knows? Part of that is we don't want to feel bad because it's going to hurt if we act on that epiphany. But yeah. that's another part of Big Wild Love is being willing to feel bad, knowing that that's not a life sentence. It's a temporary condition to help you get to the other side. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, how about you've kind of jumped around it a bit. Uh, I wonder if you might give any like step-by-step or one of the steps that you mentioned, any practical pieces that if you were in that place, you knew, hey, it's time. What would be that first step per se that, that you could take to go and letting yourself let go, I guess? Yeah, I think... That is such a big, I mean, that's really what the six-step process speaks to. But what I will say about epiphany, which is is the first step, is I would tell people to slow down. Because what I find is when we are avoiding epiphanies, we're filling our lives so deeply that we don't have time to be still with our thoughts or let any of those feelings come up. I think that's why this is such a traumatic moment, actually, for a lot of people in this country in this quarantine, because we've all been so forced to slow down. And we've been forced to sit with our epiphanies. And it's like, I can't go out to dinner with my friends, I can't race to the office, I can't fill the time, there's not enough rooms in my house to escape the epiphanies that are coming my way from all of this solitude and stillness, with the exception of people, of course, who have a lot of children and have, (laughs) you know, those things happening in their world. But I think for a lot of people, it is a a traumatic time because it is a time of epiphany and what are you going to do about it and how are you going to process that and perhaps reinvent yourself or, you know, reclaim yourself, the self you may have lost looking looking so deeply and and being so busy that you don't have time to look at what you've become. So I would say that first step is really about get still and embrace the stillness and you know, find a way to do that so that the, all those truths you need to see can really come to you in a gentle enough way where you can say, okay, I'm, re- I'm ready for this. Yeah, I love that. Well said. Like you said, the time we're in really has forced everyone to almost reset themselves, right? And mm-hmm. it's yeah. really a great opportunity probably in some ways. There's probably a lot of things that maybe we've kept doing because people, other people may have expected it or we've expected right. it ourselves. And now... We almost have the freedom to say, all right, what do I really want and move forward with in my life? 
I mean, Aaron, if you think about people who may be in relationships where they live together or they're married and their relationships are not, perhaps they're not, you know, they've, they've not been happy in those relationships for a while, but, you know, they've been so busy in life that they just are, they've accepted it and kind of move forward. But, you know, now they're locked in the house with this person, right? And so all of a sudden, it's kind of hard not to see some truths about where they might be in relationship to that other person. Yeah. So it's a really crazy time, but I think it's important to be still. It's really important to be still. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your book, Jill. I wondered if you just might be able to boil it down to a single thought or a single something the listeners could take away today. So if you, the readers could take away one thing from your book, what would you say that would be? Well, I hope they'll take away the idea that if they're stuck somewhere in their life that's not serving them, that they don't have to stay stuck. That there is not just the whole conceptual, you have to let go, but there's an actual way to do it. And my book doesn't just talk about letting go. It also talks about what happens next. So once you let go, how do you actually get to that place that you really want to go? So I guess the big thought is, you know, anybody who is big, wild, loving can take the risk they need to take on themselves and let go of what's not working so that they can really find what they want. And that is infinitely possible for all of us. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your book and and congrats again on it, Jill. I wondered if we might dive a little deeper into your life and just talk a bit about your influences and who's led you to be who you are today, Jill, because yeah. I think it's an incredible thing to be an author and you've obviously done a lot For of sure. things as well, but I wondered if you might speak to who and what's influenced you the most. So, I mean, I would say some of my influences from a writing perspective have been, well, of course, all the amazingly beautiful books that I've read in my lifetime, but I would say probably have some female authors that have really influenced me. Like, for example, Cheryl Strait. I just, you can't, the viewers can't see it, but I'm kind of bowing. Like, I just, she's just incredible. And her book, Tiny Beautiful Things, inspired me so much when I was writing Big Wild Love. And I actually started an advice column around it because so many people were writing to me and asking for the same things. And I really looked at her tiny, beautiful things and her dear sugar column. And I was like, okay, I know I'm no Cheryl Strayed, but I love that she does this. And so I, I really feel inspired to try and create something like it. Natalie Goldberg is one of my huge influences. I've been to several of her workshops. She wrote a book called Writing Down the Bones, which is just amazingly powerful around writing practice. And in fact, I was so happy when she agreed to give me a blurb for my book. That was a really great day in, in the Murray household. Annie Lamott, I love Julia Cameron. I'm a huge follower of The Artist's Way. And in fact, I got a beautiful review from Publishers Weekly. That was the week that I let all of my breath out. <laughs> and they actually said that people who liked The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron's Artist's Way, would be fans of my book. So I was like, I'm still clinging to that air. And like, every time I feel like I want to scream from this quarantine, I'm like, but wait. <laughs> so they were amazing influences on me as a writer. And, you know, my grandmother, who was a, you know, she was a lounge act in the 40s and 50s when you just didn't do that. And she wrote plays and articles and screenplays. I mean, she was a very talented writer. And in fact, I found one of her, my father had shared with me some of her articles. And there was one article, I think that she had given to Good Housekeeping, and they wrote something like, oh, Sylvia, wouldn't it be great if all we needed was sex to sell a story? And I just... (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I want to hear that about my grandmother, but 
it was pretty telling. It was like, well, wow. today she probably would have made a killing if that's what she was writing. But, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah. Well, amazing. They, those some great influences. Well, thank you for sharing those and the, their books as well. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Hope those can help the listeners today and check them out. I wonder if you also might share any favorite quotes that inspire you often, Jill. Well, there's one quote I can't remember for the life of me where I read it, but I think about it often because, you know, as a writer, we can lean towards being very insecure about our creative work, our original work, our creativity. You know, we're sensitive souls, right? (laughs) And so, you know, we're looking around, we're seeing what other writers are doing and how it's going in the world. And so there was a quote that I heard many years ago, and it says that nobody ever gets ahead looking sideways. I love that quote because you know, when you're in the middle of a project, or you're writing something, and especially if, if you're writing for publication, you know, that's coming, you know, and then you start reading and seeing all of a sudden books that look like yours and may feel like yours or other authors who are just doing brilliant things. And you start, you start to think, well, you know, maybe I should have been an accountant. Like maybe I just went down the wrong road. Like I can always be a barista. You know, there's a lot of options for me, but you can't, you know, you got to just be really focused on you. Like we are all on our own path. That one really, really, really um, resonates with me always. Like it it never gets old or tired. And then there's another quote from my, you know, inspiration, Cheryl Strayed. She has a quote that basically, it's a longer quote, but the line that I really love is when she says, acceptance is a cold, dark room. And I love that so much in the spirit of what I write about in the book, because you know, it really is. It, it is a cold, dark room to be able to see, embrace, and know that you need to act upon that epiphany. Because, you know, we don't have any trouble seeing epiphanies that are great. Like, oh my God, I lost 10 pounds for no good reason. How did that happen? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the hard epiphanies, you know, those happen to us in cold, dark rooms. So I love that quote. Ah, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those with us, Jill. Well, I was hoping to get some of your uh, experience today with what you've gone through with the book writing process and wondered if you might share what's helped you and any words of encouragement for those who maybe haven't picked up and decided they wanted to write a book. So any, any advice you have for listeners today? Yeah, just write. You know, this is such a big message and, I, and I've heard it before. It's not really a new message, but you know, you can't wait for inspiration to strike you just have to do it. You just have to sit down, find a practice. This is what I love so much about Natalie Goldberg is she talks about writing practice. And she says, even if you don't want to do it, even if you hate doing it, you know, just keep your hand moving for 10 minutes and just write. Mm. And I know so many people who are like, I need the perfect setup and I need the perfect inspiration and I need the perfect rainy day. And, you know, I'm just not feeling it. And it's like, so many of us rarely feel it. But, you know, you have to just sit down. If you want to write something, you just be willing, as Annie Lamott says, to just sit down and write that really crappy first draft. But you're in it. And I think, you know, one of the things that always helps me is to always leave off at a place that I feel engaged. So I know the next day, I'm almost eager to get back to it because I know I've got a really solid, meaty starting point. So that always helps me when I'm in the writing process. Is to you know leave off where you know you are ready to dive in again, and you know don't give the you know don't be so overzealous like I'm going to write five hours a day. You're not going to write five hours a day. You're going to write one hour a day and check your you know Facebook for four hours, and then you're going to 
go clean the toilet and then you're going to go see if there's the mail came yet. And then you might, you know, throw something to the dog. And that's okay if that's your process, because we, you know, nobody just sits down and cranks it all out. We all have our own. And so that's the other thing I would say is just be really forgiving and know that's your process. Like I know for me, I could spend days writing one page and instead of feeling panic stricken, like, oh my God, I've spent days writing one page. Oh, I'm never going to get this done. The talk track in my head is always, yes, but Jill, this is how you do it. This is all part of your process. So it's all good. Don't worry. Just keep going. It'll happen. Just keep going. That's my advice. Just keep going. And if the voices come, just acknowledge them and then let them go. Watch them walk in and watch them walk out and then just keep writing. Wonderful words of advice. Thank you so much, Jill. Well, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything, Jill. So, you know, if you were in my shoes and could ask yourself a question, what would that be? That's a really good question. I mean, I don't know. I guess it would be how do you, you know, maintain a healthy writing mindset? Because there really is so much rejection that is involved in being a writer. There's so much rejection. And, you know, one of the things, and I talk about this in the book around letting go, but one of the things that's been really interesting for me, especially giving the TEDx talk that's had millions of views and thousands of comments is, you know, people are going to love you and people are going to hate you. (laughs) And you have to be in a place where none of that matters. Not even the love matters because only you get to define you. And so I would say as a writer, you know, only you get to define you and only you get to define your work. And, you know, people are going to come in and they're going to love you and they're going to hate you. But none of that matters. It's about doing your work. It's about exercising the deepest, most creative burning sides of yourself to your own satisfaction. If you get published, great. That's a wonderful bonus. If people like your work, wonderful. If your work can be helpful in the world, even better. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that this is, you know, writing is so personal. It's original work like all other arts. And we really can't take other people's opinions personally. It's really about us. Take the constructive, you know, we don't know everything. Always work to try and be better, but also always be grounded in who you are. I think that's really important in terms of mindset because, you know, publishing is tough, you know, going out there, getting on that stage, like Brene Brown says, you know, getting in the arena, people like to criticize. Yeah. So you have to have that solid knowledge that you get to decide. Wonderful. Well, obviously been there, Jill, and I appreciate you sharing that with listeners today because as you said, it's going to happen probably, right? And Absolutely. Be prepared for it. Well, so Jill, if there's anything else you'd like to share, feel free. And I just want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart for being on the show and make sure the listeners know where to connect with you online. Yeah. So my website is letgoforit.com. And my book is out in May. I would be so thrilled, of course, <laughs> for everybody to grab a copy. There's a hard copy and an ebook and an audiobook. You know, it's in all bookstores. If you don't know, if you don't want to go to Amazon, but you want to go to an independent support, independent local bookstore right now, which I love, go to indiebound.org and just search for my title. It'll tell you what local bookstores you can find it or ask your local bookstore to carry it. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Let Go For It. I would love to hear from people, you know, tell me what you want to know about letting go and how I can help. And that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jill. It's been 
Again, a pleasure to have you and uh, keep up the amazing work. Congrats on your book and all the other books I know that are coming down <laughs> for you. So. Great. Thanks, Aaron, so much. Enjoyed being here. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.